0: The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Okay, hey, good morning, everybody. Yay! There's a few of you. Um, so thrilled that you're here today. Uh, I'm just excited. We're starting a new series called Emmanuel, which will take us up to our Christmas services. The, the slide that's up, uh, what Tia just asked for is actually very simple. Uh, we want that Sunday evening at 4:30 and 6 on December the 22nd. We want it to be a wonderful night, and one of the ways we do that is we kind of we bring in baked goods and and just try to make uh, both campuses, our Oklahoma City and Norman campus, really feel festive and alive, and a great place for you to bring your family. friends and just hang out. Uh, That requires a few extra sets of hands, and so what we're literally asking for is like a person that would show up 30 minutes early and help set out some cookies, or maybe a few extra greeters, just to make sure that everyone who walks in feels welcomed and loved. This is not a long-term commitment. This is a one-night commitment for maybe 30 minutes. If you would be willing to help serve at our Christmas service, that's the website, or Tia herself is actually going to be right out those doors, and I I, I don't like to do that because you're like, well, who's Tia? Well, it's the girl you just saw. Um, That That's Tia, and she'll be hanging out in that new little space. When you walked in, you went, something's different. Um, Yeah, there used to be a classroom there, and now we have some space to actually hang out because it is not getting any warmer outside. So uh, new little lobby space. Tia will be in that. She would love to just have you walk up to her and go, hey, I'll help. I'll do what I can for our Christmas service to make it special and wonderful for everyone who walks in the door. Uh, During this Christmas season as well, we've been doing this for five weeks now. We we talk about Project Christmas. Uh, It's very simple. The idea is that we as a church want to make sure and raise money so that in 2020, we can partner with our local mission organizations and continue to reach the least of these in Oklahoma City and Norman. That's our desire. We want to do that to the best of our ability. For the last six or seven years, we've raised $50,000 a year. We do it in a very simple way. There's roughly 1,000 of us. If everyone gives $50, that's $50,000. Uh, but that means everybody. That means everyone needs to have the conversation with their families, whether your family is 2 or 20, and say, hey, would you be willing to forego an extra gift this year? And maybe instead we say, hey, instead of this, I'm going to give to Project Christmas so that people can have food, clothing, that they can be reached with the gospel. Um, so th- that's, that's the conversation I want everyone to have. Uh, just as an update with about three weeks left to go in our Project Christmas campaign, we're at $10,000. And you're going, no, actually, don't clap. <laughs> let me make my next statement. Um, That's 20% of the way there. That's kind of normal for for this. I mean, we've done this long enough now to know that people don't give early. Like my family hasn't given yet. We need to give. Um, But let's go ahead and get that done. Okay, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and make those contributions to Project Christmas, and and let's see that number start to start to get closer to that fifty thousand. Just so I don't lose my mind, um, that would be great if we could have those conversations, make that happen. Uh, it's very simple, and it makes a huge impact. So, um, for those of you that fifty dollars person just isn't possible, that's why that we hope to have some people within the, the body that can give a little bit more than that per person, and it all balances out, and we make it together, and that's what the church is supposed to do. So excited about Project Christmas! Excited about This new series called Emmanuel, God With Us. Um, Three weeks, we're going to just talk about some of, because there's so many more than we can possibly cover, some of the implications, some of the things that occur because God, in the form of Jesus, chose to take on flesh and come to this earth. Massive ramifications. Beautiful, beautiful truth behind it. We're going to take the next few weeks to just look at a few of those. God With Us, what does that mean? Let's pray and we'll jump right in. Father, thank you, thank you for today. Thank you for your Son Jesus, and thank you for the hope of this season, which is Him. Uh, God, I ask that you speak to us today through your Holy Spirit, that you would move in and through us, that you would transform us from the inside out, and that we'd look more like you as we leave. I, I just pray that you would be glorified today in many ways. It's in your name we pray. Amen, amen. So, uh, one of my favorite things—I've said this before. So, if you've been around for years, you've heard me say this. But one of my favorite things in the world is Christmas lights. It just really is. It's one of my favorite things. I, I give props to even the person that puts like just some lights in their bushes. Like, just just do, do a little something, a little something to bring some festivity to your neighborhood, anything. If you have, if you have a dorm room, like just a, a strand of lights makes me so happy. Um, I, I love lights. We, we actually just got back on Friday night, took the, took the family to Branson, which is, is for all age people, not just older ones. Um, but went, went to Branson, went to Silver Dollar City. Silver Dollar City, there are six and a half million Christmas lights. That's on every billboard, so I didn't make that up. Six and a half million, I didn't count them either. But I did experience them And I'm not gonna lie, like walking through my family, six and a half million Christmas lights, kind of centrally located. It was Clark Griswold's house times a billion. Like it was, it was just beautiful, and it was festive. And what I love about Silver Dollar City is because they're a Christian organization, they make sure that while it is spectacular and beautiful, everywhere you look, it just says glory to God. It says, think of, I mean, there's Jesus in this, and and so I'm not saying that like twinkle lights and Jesus are are synonymous. Okay, every time I look at a twinkle light, I don't think of Jesus. Um, But what I want to talk about today is the fact that one of the purposes for Jesus coming to earth was for him to be the light of the world. And so I'm not saying one equals the other, but the idea that Jesus came, took on flesh, he accomplished many things, but one of the biggest things that he did was he came to bring light into darkness. He came to bring light into darkness, and that's important because light overcomes darkness. And, and actually, it's a triumphant light, and that's what Jesus is coming to this earth. Uh, John chapter 1. So John, the author of the gospel, uh, one of Jesus' inner three, he wrote in the very beginning words of his gospel in verses 1 through 5. I want to read them all. Just listen to the beauty of this. It says, In the beginning was the word, the logos. In the beginning was the the word, it was Jesus, and the word was with God, so they were together, and the word was God, okay? Now, in Christianity, there's this idea of a trinity, okay? Meaning that there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that's three, but they're all one, they're all still God. Um, If you have trouble comprehending that, join the club, that is, that is a normal thing to have a trouble wrapping your mind around. So is the next statement, verse 2. He was with God in the beginning. You see, God is eternal. Before there was, he is. And so that, that's, a, that's a concept. So you got two mind blowers right there, John. Thank you for that. you got the Trinity, and then you've got eternity, both of which the concepts are easy to state, but when you start to think about them, your eyes kind of wobble in their sockets. Because you can't think of eternity without thinking of a beginning. Or, like our minds can't comprehend that. And you can't think of how three things can be one thing and one thing can be three things. It's just the math is not there. Our, brain, our brains are just not primed for that. But look at verse 3. Through him, the word, that's Jesus, all things were made. You, me, all of creation, they came through him. All things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. All that is is a different way of saying the exact same thing without him, there'd be nothing. He made everything. If he didn't exist, there'd be nothing. We wouldn't be here. This would not be happening. In him was life. So in the word, in Jesus, there was life. We, we all want this. And it's not just saying eternal life, it's life. And here's how John describes what this life is, okay? This life. And that life was the light of All mankind. All mankind. Okay, I know we live in a culture where you can identify however you want to identify, but if you identify as a human, then this passage is for you. If you think you are human, then Jesus is the light for you. And that light is life. Do you you see how this is building? That light is life for all humans. That light, it shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Underline Exclamation mark. Memorize it. If you're reading from your Bible, um, and not the screen, there's a footnote there. And if you read, drop down to the footnote, it says, uh, Understood. There's some textual variants where some people think the word understood should be there. So the darkness doesn't understand the light. While I think John elaborates on that a bunch in his gospel, and it is true that, that evil and darkness don't understand all that God is, just like even I don't understand all that God is. I think that could be true, but this is a power statement. This is a light overcomes darkness statement. Overcomes, I think, is the correct translation here, and it's actually proven by physics. Darkness is the absence of light. If any light whatsoever is introduced into darkness, you no longer have darkness. You have light. Now you're going, well, there's levels of darkness. Of course, but darkness is the absence of light, and light, even in its smallest, most minuscule form, Overcomes darkness. But the light that Jesus is is a light of life. He is not a little light. He is a beaming spotlight that penetrates darkness and overcomes it every single time. Now, John talks about this light several times in his gospel. Let's look at two of them. John chapter 8, verse 12. It says, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am, I am the word, the logos, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. They'll never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Same words, right? You see them there from, from chapter one? They will have the light of life. They will have life, which is light. Okay, so we, we're trying to compare and contrast light and darkness. So what is Darkness. What is darkness? It's a metaphor, obviously. Here's a few of the things that the Bible represents as darkness. Evil. Light overcomes evil. Now, I could spend the next 20 years subcategorizing things that come under the category of evil, right? Just anything that's really bad is evil, the source of which is not the light. So there's evil. Something else the Bible describes as darkness is unbelief. Doubt, fear would fall under those categories. So, unbelief. Light overcomes evil. Light overcomes unbelief. Lostness. Having no direction, having no purpose, not knowing the purpose of this life, which is the glory of God. That lostness, light penetrates that darkness and overcomes it. And then one that... We all face death. Death would be described as darkness. Every one of us will breathe our last breath at some point in our life. And the only thing that conquers that, the only thing that overcomes that, the only thing that overcomes death is light. And that light is Jesus. I am the light of the world. This light also changes how we see others in our community. Chapter 12, verse 36. If you believe in the light while you have the light, that's why you still are breathing. I really believe that's what that means. You may become children of the light. Typically in the New Testament, that is a child of God, but you can see how they're synonymous with one another. A child of the light. If you believe, In the light, you become brothers and sisters with the others who believe in the light and you become family. And you reflect and you shine as a family, this triumphant light. Church, this is very good news. The fact that light overcomes darkness is very, very, very good news. It brings great hope and it's hope that I think the world needs for this one very simple reason. I'm not sure any of us are convinced that our world is getting less evil, is getting less dark. There are breakthroughs and there are victories and there are triumphs and those are absolutely good, but as a whole, I don't see mankind getting any less dark. And light overcomes the darkness Verse four of chapter one actually gives some compelling reasons as to why as to why light overcomes darkness. Let's look at verse four again, I know we've already read it. Uh, we're going to double up on a few of these, but verse four says, "In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light is triumphant. it overcomes because it's living. The life is the Son of God. the life is power and darkness. so First thing I see just in verse four, the light of life has energy and power because it has the energy of God. Now, this is my opinion. I've seen it in my life. The Bible testifies to it. I'm not saying we all have to be on the same page here, but I do believe that God is very much all powerful. I do believe that. Now, there's a philosophical argument that says if God is all powerful and all loving, why would there ever be evil in this world? If he's all-powerful to overcome everything, and if he's all-loving, then there shouldn't be any evil in this world. That's a great philosophical argument. Here's my rebuttal to that. God desires for us to love him. The only way that we will love him is for there to be another option. If there were no other option, then it would not truly be love. So, one philosophical argument rebutted by another philosophical argument, but we don't play in philosophy Um, we play in truth. In in verse 3, chapter 1, verse 3, just gives you a little picture of just how powerful the light is, just how powerful Jesus is. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. He has the power to create something out of nothing. See, I'm guilty of this, church. I'm very, very, very guilty of this. Um, Sometimes, I want to make God fit in a little box for me. Something I can understand. If I were to be very candid, something I can control. I, I want him to be powerful, powerful enough to fix my problems, but not too powerful, like not to where like I have to stand in awe of him. Not too powerful to where I don't get to manipulate and get my way. Just being candid, right? No one else feels that way, I'm sure, but... um. <laughs> He made everything. He's over everything. That is such a grandiose thought. It's so magnificent in my mind. He made everything. He's over everything. Without him, there would be nothing. That's, that's power. And that is the lumens of this light that shines in the darkness. It's powerful. The second thing I see from verse four is that this light has purpose and motion, meaning this. This light is not a static lamppost or a lighthouse on a shore. Meaning this, if you suffer from darkness, you do not have to go find God. Let's say this light source only existed in New York City. And if you wanted to have this light source overcome your darkness, you would have to find a way to travel to this lamp, this light post and let that light shine into darkness. That is not how God works. That's not what he chose to do. He invaded earth, God with us. And he is everywhere. Everywhere. The light source is available to you and to me, regardless of where we are. Why? Because God has a redemptive plan for the world. Not just for those who can have a pilgrimage to the light source. He has a redemptive plan for the world, and it's in motion, and it's moving, and it's beautiful, and it's available to all who believe. It's powerful when you start to think of that. And finally, as children of the light, we help reflect that light because this light is reproducing. The source is constant and fixed but it is reproducing through the children of the light. Read verse 36 of John chapter 12 again. If you believe in the light, while you have the light, you will become children of the light. This is how God chooses to bring his redemptive plan to pass. He chooses to reflect his light through the children of the light. So now let's have a fun pause for a moment, okay? Mental exercise. Let's see Let's see who's the, got the darkest mind in the room. Ready? Here we go. Would you please, with eyes open or closed, to however you feel comfortable, would you please picture in your mind what you believe would be the darkest, spiritually, metaphorically, the darkest place on earth? The most evil, full of the most unbelief, full of the most lostness, full of the most death. Would you please go there in your mind? Just go ahead. And I know this isn't fun. You're in church, but like, go ahead. Get there in your mind. I'm going to give you a few seconds. Get a picture, get a place, get a locale, get a GPS coordinate. Okay, got it? Everyone got one? They're going to be different for each of us, that's fine. But if everyone's got one, here we go. Um, Some of you, you went like terrorist cell in the Middle East, right? Like a cave, just full of evil and hate. Some of you went there. Some of you went, like, urban. Back alleys of a major city, drug paraphernalia, human trafficking. Like, you went, you went urban, dirty, right? Had a guy come up to me after the first service. He goes, you know the darkest place? He was being dead serious. He was. I mean, this, this shook him. He said, darkest place on earth would be when that coffin closes and you don't know the light. Just like, oh, that's morbid. <laughs> Good imagination, <laughs> yeah. but true. I mean, right? That would be that would that would be bad. The reality, since darkness is simply just the absence of light. One of the darkest places on earth could be that house next door to you that's beautifully lit up for Christmas, perfect tree in the window, perfect family, kids are scholars and athletes. That house is pitch black. Could be a fraternity brother or sister who on the outside, everything looks perfect. And when they go home this Christmas, it's just dark. Because there's no light. Just curious. Anyone required to go to anything that I would call a corporate Christmas function this year? It could be small, but like you've got to go to some Christmas something with people that you might necessarily not want to hang out with. Does anyone got to do that? Three of you have jobs. Good. Okay. <laughs> this, this is great. We'll ask the question again later. Maybe you forgot. Maybe you already went. I don't know. But, um. Just hypothetically, uh, that, that could be, that, not the event, but there, there could be some darkness there. Just, light overcomes darkness. That's what it does. Light overcomes darkness. It triumphs over it. And this season... that is full of twinkly lights. My challenge to you, church, is to not be caught up in the festivities, but to truly find your way to the light and to be the light. So, If you feel like in this season, which many of you do, and it's, its I hope you can admit this, if you feel like darkness has just squelched your joy, remember that Jesus came to bring light into that darkness, and light overcomes the darkness. If this season you feel confident because of faith in Jesus that you have the light, then I strongly encourage you to take that light to those who are suffering from the darkness of this world. Strongly encourage you to do that. Emmanuel, God with us, he is the strongest light capable of piercing the darkest of places and the darkest of hearts. That's the truth that we've read here. God came to earth for this purpose. Verses four and five. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not and will not overcome it. That is one of the purposes for this season. As the band comes back up here, I just have a question. It's for each of you. The question is, in this season, will you believe in the light? Will you trust in the light? Will you put your faith in the light? Will you allow the light to penetrate the darkness that you may be facing? Will you then take that light and reflect it towards others as you come into contact with them, your neighbors, family members, coworkers? people who are stuck in darkness and have only one hope, and that hope is the light? Will you be a part of God's redemptive plan to shine light into this world? Christmas is a wonderful, wonderful time of the year, but the thing that makes it wonderful is Jesus. And I know that is by no means a profound thought, But sometimes the simplest truths are the ones we need to hear the most. And there are going to be many, many, many things that try to distract you. There's going to be many, many things that may cause darkness to creep into your life or the life of others, but there is hope. And to put hope in anything other than the light, in anything other than him, would be to render yourself incapable of finding the joy that you seek this season. And if in your heart there is an absence of peace and joy in all of the things that are on every single piece of Christmas decor in your home. (laughs) If there is an absence of that, it is not more decor. It is not better gifts or parties. It's definitely not more money or friends. The solution and the answer is Jesus. And you, you may or may not have known that walking in here, but I pray you know it walking out. And that you just double down on that. The light that overcomes all darkness. All darkness. There's going to be people in the back of the room, I think. Do we have any room back there? we have any room for prayer team back there? Is there a little room space? Okay. There's going to be people in the back of the room. Love to pray with you. About anything. We have one communion station, because we're actually going to have some baptisms here in a minute, which is going to be awesome. So we have one communion station today. If you want to take communion, it's right here. Come up, do that as we sing and as we respond to the light, as we celebrate the light, as we celebrate that truth and that hope. So Father, today, come and shine light into our lives through your son, Jesus. May we reflect that light to others and may we, Lord, respond to you, to your grace, to your mercy. In faith, may we trust in you, be moved by you because of your grace and your mercy. We give you all the honor and glory today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Church, let's stand and let's respond to him.